All right, good evening, everybody. Today is March 3rd, 2022, and we're here tonight with Chris Hauser, and we're going to be going over the Q&A with his uh, processes. Um, you guys, just to make sure, um, we're getting our email system worked out, so if you want to get uh, email notifications of this call, go to youhavetheright.com and uh, join our mailing list, if you would. And uh, that way you'll get email notifications of this call and, and other updates. So um, if you have a question, you can hit uh, star six on your phone. So, Chris, do you have any uh, lectures or lessons or anything that you want us to know about tonight? Well, we were talking uh, earlier uh that we're doing, we're working. Uh, don't really have. Well, uh, I'll start. I'm saying uh, we're working on. You're breaking up, sir. Uh, the details of the brokerage. Dang man, here we go again. I'm here. All right, can you hear me? Yeah. I have to get in the right spot again. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's the way it is, up in the, up in the sticks here. Um, we're working on uh, the details with the brokerage and uh, and also the, the contract. There's a lot of – actually, there's a couple contracts that I'm, I've been working on with that. And we're trying to get all these details worked out. Uh, uh, I was on a Zoom conference with a bunch of folks there Monday. And uh, uh, one of the one of the ladies that uh, she had a a realtor uh, that she was working with in Colorado that had uh, was willing to accept a 1099A for a five million dollar ranch. Uh, she sent the 1099A in, and then along with that, she sent a conditional acceptance. Uh, so. She got she got an email back rather quickly. Oh, uh, you know what kind of shenanigans are you trying to pull here? Uh, we've sent this your paperwork to the to the local police department to uh, look into this. And uh, where where was this? Uh, where was it sent to? It was sent to a real estate agent, in Colorado. Uh, okay. She's in uh, I don't know if it was Minnesota or. Michigan, or might even been Oklahoma. I'm not quite sure where she's from, uh, but that's not uncommon. There's been quite a few folks uh, send a conditional acceptance to the dealership, and then right along with it, they're sending a conditional, or they send a 1099A to the dealership, and they send a conditional acceptance with it. Uh, when you do that, folks, uh, that's like giving a kid ice cream, and as soon as they go to take a bite out, you smack it out of their hand. Uh, you don't do that. Uh, you're you're not when you give them the 1099A, you're making them an offer, uh, and you're yeah. waiting for them to respond or not. If they don't uh, accept the 1099A, then you'll send a conditional acceptance. And she blew it. Uh, she had these people, 
you know, right there ready to do the, the, the realtor understood the, the procedure, you know, how she, the lady explained it to the real estate agent, this is what you do, and these are the forms you fill out, this is how you do it. And uh, the lady's like, you, yeah, we can do this. Uh, and then she sent a conditional acceptance with it, so she kind of blew it. Uh, that would be kind of like a threat. Yeah, it, it really would. Uh, uh, and she she realized her mistake. We talked about it a little bit, and she realized what she'd done was a mistake. And I said, hunt some other place, you know. Uh, get a, don't go to Colorado. <laughs> uh, but uh, find, I said, find your ranch in Wyoming. She said, ah, oh, it's too cold. Uh, but this same lady, folks, uh, has an oral surgeon has already accepted a 1099A for $66,000 for dental implants. Wow. Uh, this dental this dental uh, dental surgeon is uh, has accepted hers and sent the paperwork off. Uh, she's about to get a mouthful of you know, $60,000 worth of teeth. Golden uh, teeth. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, she has to make sure you get some big and sharp incisors so you can eat eat a good steak. And uh, but see, she's already uh, seeing how this works, and she just kind of jumped the gun there a little bit. Uh, another person in the in the group uh, has been talking with a real estate agent in Beverly Hills, a three point five million dollar home. It's probably not a mansion at 3.5. Uh, it's probably just a nice house in Beverly Hills. Uh, and the real estate agent was having trouble uh, trying to get their head wrapped around what it was this lady was wanting to do. She uh, called the guy, uh, the lady who was trying to buy the house, called the guy who was running the group and uh, asked if he could explain it. He told me he spent almost a half hours on the phone with this real estate agent in, in Beverly Hills, California, uh, and, and they're, they're doing it. Uh, I guess the, uh, the, uh, he, he, he was convincing enough and, and was thorough uh, talking about it. Me and on the phone, uh, talking about stuff, kind of like me and you have, Tad. Yeah, uh, and he gets it. He you know, he uh, has a thorough understanding of what it is this thing does. Uh, so when he was talking to this real estate agent, they got her. Uh, they got this lady hooked in, and ready to go, and uh, so they're just working that out. Uh, and here's the thing: uh, a lot of people I've noticed in the messages and emails, they say. Uh, you know the 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 dealer the dealership uh, they want me to prove how much I have in the trust and uh, or the real estate agent they want me to prove if I, that I've got enough money in the trust to buy the house in question or the property in question and you can't do that the beneficiary can't go find out how much is in the trust uh, they're not privy to that and. These dealers and these real estate agents, they don't realize uh, the significance of being the beneficiary. Uh, you can't find out how, how much is in there. And so the people are questioning the beneficiary. Question, I mean, well, how are we supposed to 
convince these people to do the documents, to do the tax documents, and, and buy the help help us buy these homes. If we can't even tell them how much is in it, uh, you know, they're and I understand why they're they're scared. Uh, you know, this is something. Uh, how we, you know, what I don't want to go to prison. You know, the same thing with the 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 guy at the dealership that I went to, uh, the Senate Chevrolet. Uh, well, I don't want to do that, man. I don't, I don't do no time in the feds. Uh, here's the thing about this one. Uh, if you're a trustee and you accept the 1099A, say, uh, 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 I'm selling Tad my house, and uh, he's got a 1099A, I can take that 1099A and do all the paperwork. I can do the OIDs and everything like that the way you're supposed to. Send it in to the you know to the treasury uh, in you know at the at the eleven eleven Constitutional Avenue where the that's the IRS's address and send it all there and here's what's going to happen there's one or two one or three things going to happen uh, they're either going to uh, process the paperwork and send the check out or uh, send it by electronic transfer of funds if you do the eleven ninety nine A uh, or there's, if there's something wrong with it, uh, they're going to contact you and say, look, you know, we were looking at this uh, 1096, and you've done something wrong on it. Uh, this is what we suggest that you do. Uh, we can send this back to you, and you can fix it, or you can give us your permission. We'll make this slight adjustment and process the paperwork. That's the second thing they may do. The third thing is that they're going to send you a notice in the mail, and they're going to say, this is a frivolous filing. Uh, do not do this again. And if you do it again, uh, they may send you another notice that says, we're going to, this is a frivolous filing. We told you not to do this. And so now we're going to give you a civil penalty of $5,000 for frivolous filing. They're not going to – you file this paperwork if, if the uh, trustees are shaky about whether or not to file it. If they file this stuff, worst-case scenario is the, the IRS is going to send them a letter saying, this is a frivolous filing, don't do it again. A lot of you all are familiar with the frivolous filing letter. Uh, I've had, some of you all have taken photographs of yours and sent them to me. Uh, so I know you're getting the frivolous filing uh, uh, notifications from the IRS. And the three that I've read so far, none of them say uh, there's a civil penalty for this. Uh, and see, that's the first really negative thing that's going to happen to you. Uh, if they hit you with the frivolous filing, they're going to warn you first. And then they're going to uh, fine you civil penalties second. Uh, they may find you civil penalties third, and fourth, they may you okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna take you into the federal courts, and you're gonna do some time in club fed. But the first time you do this, if you if it's a frivolous filing, they're gonna warn you. So there's not a lot to be to be fearful of doing this process. Uh, when I beat them in tax court. I was already looking at two civil penalties for frivolous filing. Okay? I, I did not, friends, I did not go to prison for filing frivolous filings, for filing these 
lien securities. I did not go to prison for that. If that would have been the case, I would have been in federal prison. Uh, and that's where uh, you could actually put people's mind at ease. Say, look, uh, worst case scenario, you're going to get a letter from the IRS says, this is a frivolous filing. Please don't do it again. And they're going to say, please. I think they do in the, in the letters that I recall. They actually say, please don't do this again. Uh, they're going to warn you first. Uh, okay, we understand that you're not a uh, a licensed tax attorney or a licensed tax preparer. Uh, so we're not going to hold this uh, over you. We're going to tell you right now, don't do this again. Uh, and then you'll know. That's where this is at uh, for those of you. And, and, it, and a lot of the things that's happening right now is a lot of, uh, a lot of the people that are filing these things now, they're not, they're not going to the dealerships. They're not going to the mortgage people or they're not going to the real estate agents. They're going to Mr. For Sale guy, for sale by owner guy. And they're doing these deals uh, with the sellers. They're doing this deal. You know, my granddad's got a, a two-year-old Ford truck and, you know, uh, he really can't afford payments. And he said he'd be willing to sell it to me for, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for, for so he could pay it off. Uh, and that's how they're doing these now. That's what these are going. How these are going through now. So if you had a close relative that you wanted to buy a house from, or uh, you knew someone that was willing to do this process. Worst case scenario is it's not going to work, and they're going to tell the the, the for sale by owner guy, uh, "Hey, don't do this again. That, you know, we you need to know that this is frivolous filing. Not doing this process is nothing to be afraid of, uh, because the they're they're on the risk organization now. Maybe back in the fifties, if you'd have tried something like that, you know, when the IRS had a bad, real bad name. Not that they don't have a bad name now, uh, but they were really bad to throw people in prison. Oh, you owe $10,000, you're going to prison. Uh, they don't do that anymore. They're friendlier IRS. They're supposed to be anyway. But it's nothing to be afraid of, and that's probably the biggest thing that's gone down this week is okay. uh, people are starting to buy these things. And... uh and I'm also talking to a lot of folks about uh, the contracts to the Treasury. Uh, I've talked to quite a few people that have the $100 million bonds, and uh, they're all wanting to know how to do these contracts and the steps of the contracts. And, and uh, when you're doing the conditional acceptance and you're doing the bonds and you're turning them over to the Treasury, uh, the way that we're doing this here, uh, there's no way uh, that you can be charged with uh, filing liens uh, or financing statements because we're not using the UCC. We're also not using the tax documents like that I show you in the videos, like we did in 2015 and 16. We're not using the tax documents. We're telling the United States Treasury, the Secretary, uh, 
hey, Janet Yellen, here's this bond for uh, $100 million. Uh, we're going to give you our power of attorney uh, to do whatever you have to do to make this, uh, take this monetized bond and prepare it for eviction. Uh, if, if she wants to do the 1099As and OIDs and, and all the other stuff that we did, go right ahead. You want to do the UCC1s? Go right ahead. Uh, but it'll be her that's doing it. Uh, that's the best way to approach this. Uh, another question I've been, that I've dealt with a little bit this week is the claim of lien. Uh, the, the claim of lien, they ask, uh, uh, whether we're doing the claim of lien now, we're not doing it through the UCC-1, so they're not being notified. Uh, they may not be notified at all. The Treasury may send the claim of liens to the IRS, and the IRS may collect it straight out of the trust, and they don't even know that the IRS collected this money. They may not even be notified that, they, that they've collected the money. Uh, so a lot of people... Uh, are asking, well, how can we notify the people that we're doing these claim of liens against if we're not using the UCC? And uh, here's what I suggest. Uh, take your the claim of lien that you create and notarize it and get the wet signature on it, and then that's the one you're going to put with the attachment or the assignment document for the contract to the treasury, but before you do that, make copies of it. And then send it certified mail to the people uh, that you created the uh, notice of claim and lien. If there's a judge and you want him to know that you just jumped off in his pocket deep, uh, take a copy of the, uh, the, the claim of lien and send it to him certified mail. That way, if he tries to drag you in there, you can go, hey, I got this green card right here. You're, you're signed for it. I see you got my notice. You've been noticed that you owe me $6 million. How are you going to act, judge guy? Because uh, that's a, a lot of it. You mess with me, and you've caused me all this stress, and you've taken stuff from me when you had no lawful right to do so. You put me in jail. You stripped me naked. You had some big burly dude feel uh, me all up and everything while I'm butt naked, uh, squat down and cough. You put me through all of this. Now I'm putting you through something. Uh, hey, did your wife sign? I noticed that your wife, you could send it to their house. Send the copy of the notice to claim the link to the judge's house. Uh, the, his wife is probably going to sign for it. Uh, and once she realizes that her husband just got hit for $6 million, uh, she's going to be a little pissed off because she, she knows that right around the corner her credit cards aren't going to work. Uh, that's how I would suggest. If you want the people that you're, you're, you're creating the claims of liens against, to know that you've done it, send it to them certified mail. So, uh, and they would. That's how I would do it. I would go ahead and take the time to make copies and go ahead and spend the extra 
uh, six or seven dollars, uh, just for the satisfaction of seeing that green card come back. <laughs> well, I know you know now, don't you? Right. You know, especially if you're looking at uh, uh, going in back in front of the same tribunal, uh, if it's a judge type situation or type situation, uh, send him a conditional acceptance a copy of it, and then, then, then do the claims of lien and send him a claim of lien. Yeah, you just been noticed. That way they can't say, when you roll off in that courtroom, uh, I'm here to make a special appearance. Oh, heck, yeah, by the way, I noticed that you've got my conditional acceptance, and I noticed that you got the notice of claim of lien. Uh, hey, guy in the black robe, how do you intend to pay and then you're putting them on the spot right away. They're, you bias them immediately. How do you intend to pay me? Uh, if they don't get up and run out, then they try to proceed with whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, you can go, no, 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 wait a minute. We need to settle this matter before you move any further. When are you going to pay me, buddy? Uh, you know, I tell you what, uh, throw your keys to your BMW down here, Timmy, or your Mercedes. Because I, I need to hold those. Uh, you've been leaned. Uh, and, and according to uh, according to the Supreme Court, uh, uh, that, that says uh, you, can place a, you can put a lien on a man depriving him of beneficial use of his property without any judicial determination or probable cause. Uh, you know, I'm, I, what I'm do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, hinder you from using your own property. Uh, you ready to pay me? I'm, I'm telling you, there you're going to be. You're going to have them so wrapped up in that claim of lien that they are not going to mess with you. They're going to try some stuff like, "Oh, I better put this off." Yeah, you're damn right. You better put it off because uh, you know right now that you can't. You can't move. Uh, you can't move. You're biased. Uh, so those were the issues that I dealt with a lot of this week. Okay. Are you ready for questions? Yeah, sure. All right. We're going to go to Maryland, 978, area code. When your phone unmutes, it's your turn. Hi, Chris, can you hear me? We can yeah, hear you. Yeah, pretty good. Hi, Chris. My name is John Medellini. I'm from Massachusetts. And uh, I uh, really appreciate all that you're doing. Uh, I've listened to all of your YouTube videos and your WebEx call and all of your recorded Q&As, and I understand most of what you've said. Um, but I have a, my particular problem is really having to do with something you have not talked a lot, a lot about, and that's divorce. To skip all the gory details, the long and the short of it is after 38 years of being married to my wife and raising a wonderful family of five children, She's decided she doesn't want to be married anymore. I've asked her to, you know, work out an agreement with me privately, but she doesn't want to do that. She's decided she wants to go to the court. So she's hired a, an attorney from a litigation firm here in Massachusetts, and she's bound and determined to submit to the authority of the court, and she's determined to see that I do the same. So I'm now being addressed by her, by her attorney as you know, uppercase John Manigini pro se because I refused to hire an attorney. So uh, I really, you know, 
my questions are, you know, I mean, what do I do? I'm very concerned. Uh, do I do I file as as you've taught all of us? Do I, you know, file a CA against the Middlesex County Probate Court, all the judges, the clerk, and the attorney? Uh, do I talk to my wife's attorney and try to negotiate some type of a settlement? You know, should I wait until the court? I mean, my 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 pretrial hearing is in May, right? And you know, I mean. I, I, you know, so should I file an affidavit of status, declare my status, and declare myself to be the beneficiary and sue jurists and challenge the jurisdictions of the court, you know, before before the pretrial query? I mean, what, 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 what's your advice? Okay. Yeah, I got you. Uh, so, uh, personally, I don't file anything uh, because if you file anything into the, into the case, uh, you're you're agreeing that the, to the jurisdiction. Uh, always everything straight the first day. Uh, okay, I w- I'm coming in here. The only reason I'm coming in here is because if I don't, you'll arrest me. Uh, so I'm here under duress, and I'm here to challenge the right. jurisdiction. Uh, uh, I'm sure you're aware that. Uh, Divorcing you. Aware of that? They can't divorce you. The scripture says that you have to divorce her. And and the Messiah said you only do it for marital unfaithfulness. And to, to divorce yeah. her, you have to give her a, uh, a piece of paper uh, saying, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Uh, so it's the trust that's being di- divorced. And if you grant them any kind of jurisdiction, you're going to give them the right to do that. Uh, you asked them and you gave them the right uh, when you got married, when you went down and got the uh, the, the, uh, the marriage, marriage license. license. Right. Yeah, you were right, but that was all a fraud because it. I didn't understand what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't full disclosure. It's a contract without full disclosure. So actually it's void anyway. Uh, so what you're dealing with... Uh, if I was to apparently your your wife doesn't want to settle this in a uh, a private matter, uh, she probably thinks well, she's that's what I've more. asked her to do. But yeah, like I said, I don't want to take up a lot of time in this call. I've sent you two pieces of email. I understand that you're very busy, but if you could just look at my email where I describe some of the details and call me, well, I'd appreciate this, it. Well, this is your chance to talk to him right now. Okay. What yeah. what's what what's the name again so I can recall it when I go tell your name. Uh here's oh, yeah. the here's the thing. This is it, this is what I would do. Uh my wife's already told me. Uh you know, uh, I guess you you won't ever divorce me. No, I won't. You're not ever going to get a divorce from me. Uh for one, I don't get, I won't I will not grant any court any jurisdiction to determine that. Uh I won't do right. it. She knows I won't. Uh, we may not live in the same house, and we might not live together, uh, in, you know, in in in, in matrimony. Uh, but I'm never going to divorce you. Uh, I'm not going I've to do that. I've been through all that with her. I've been through all that with her. I've told her that. I've said, yeah. look, I said, you know, it's like we don't have to get a divorce because all they're going to do is just railroad both of us, right? Yeah. I said, I'm perfectly willing to make an arrangement with you. We can separate. 
there's no reason for us to actually get divorced unless either one of us decides we want to get married to somebody else, right? I mean, yeah. and, and when that happens, I yeah. agree with you. If that day comes, I'll say, okay, I'll write you your bill of divorce according to the scripture, and you're free. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you guys could sit down together and compromise, and, and you don't even, 120-some dollars or $170 filing fee, uh, you could come together and, and create your own divorce decree and, and no contest and uh, uh, irreconcilable differences or whatever your state allows and, and, and come together and do this. Uh, if she's not willing to do that, then she's going to hire the attorney. She's probably got she's probably The problem is this. With I've attorney. said that to her. I've said that to her repeatedly. I've explained all this to her. And, you know, yeah, multiple well, they're, times they're gonna... we've come to an agreement. She've come to an agreement. And then she goes and talks to her attorney, and her attorney talks her out of it. Well, that's their job. Their job is to make money off of her. Uh, she's going to that, that attorney's going to make money off of the off of the settlement that she's going to get from you. Uh, and nine times out of ten, you're going to get screwed. Uh, when I was in when I was in Nashville in jail, I was in Nashville in jail with a guy who refused to go uh, into the court for, uh, in a divorce issue. Uh, in a divorce matter, uh, he stood his ground, and when I was there, he'd already had two years in county jail, and I was there uh, 15 months, and he was still there, and he was fighting this uh, jurisdictional thing, and they they or we're just going to keep you in jail until you come in here. Uh, that's what they like to do. You, they don't have jurisdiction over you. They do not have jurisdiction over you. Uh, if right. you stick so you're, to your so, uh, Yeah, but I'm going to end up in jail. If you, if you don't go in there, what's going to happen? If you go in there and you say, uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm, I'm here to challenge jurisdiction, blah, 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 uh, even out of my courtroom. And what they're going to do is they're going to grant her a divorce anyway. And they're going to grant. Right. Well, not only are they going to grant her a divorce, but they'll probably not only will they grant her a divorce, but they'll probably com- completely dictate all the terms of divorce. You know, guard my paycheck, lean my house, yeah. right, and, and yeah. notify my employer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hate to say this, partner, but it's not your house. It's your oh, I house. I understand that part too. To both of you. Yeah, all right. And uh, oh, no yeah, matter just- what the deal is, it, the far as the state is concerned, actually a third of it is theirs. A third of your house belongs to them. Uh, that's the agreement that you went in. And you can go in there and you can argue all this stuff. You sure can. Uh, and have fun doing it. If you're going to do this, have fun doing it. Uh, because it could be costly in the long run. But look, man, there is nothing she can take from you that, there's that nothing that she can take. There's nothing she can do to me that is not going to blow back and hurt her herself. She is still completely Absolutely. dependent upon me, yeah. right? That's and what I would and say. if I Here's stand, I if I say. stand up and fight against this thing, and they throw me into jail, it's like guess whose income is going to disappear instantly? Hers. Yeah. Here's here's what you may do. This and this is that. You came into this world naked. You can leave it naked. 
You could tell her, say, look, it, I don't even want to fight with you. Here it is. Everything is yours. I'm going to pack my clothes and my personal items in my freaking car, and I'm going to go down there to divorce uh, apartment complex, divorce apartment complex. I'm going to go down there. You got it all. You want to fight over this shit? Uh, I'm not even going to give you the chance to do that. I'm going to give it all to you right now. Here it is. Here it is, everything, because I'm telling you, bro, I've been in the situation that you're in right now more than once. And I've packed my car with stuff that I had from when I was a kid. Pack my car, say, okay, it's yours, every bit of it. I'm not going to fight you for something that could all burn down tonight. Uh, if you don't want to go in, in, well, in, in, and go in there and play their game, uh, I would suggest give it all to her because it, well, like said, I, I can do that. But in the, the end, is going to bite her ass. Yeah, I can do that, but the issue is going to be that she has no income. She's completely dependent upon me, right? And so, what she really wants and what she needs is she needs an al an alimony. She needs me to keep my job, right? And which is which is a substantial income, right? And so that's really what this is all about, right? Yeah. And, and so she's so, never, she always and, been a, a housewife? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, she okay. raised, so Chris, Chris, this is the, I love this woman, okay? She, she homeschooled all five. I, I like to say we homeschooled yeah. our children. My wife homeschooled our children. We are, yeah. We're both Christians. We have a Christian family. Right? But all of the shit that's gone down in this country, all this COVID, just everything, just the total mind control that's happened in this whole country, she's just completely just lost her mind or something. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, we, I, you're going through some seriously hard, troubled times. I know. I've been there twice. I've been there twice. Uh, I've lost everything in marriage twice. Uh, I've lost everything once to fight her. I mean, lost everything. And the last time I lost everything, I went to prison for three years. I lost everything but the glasses on my nose. And and I'm telling you right now, you can bounce back from any hardship that ever comes in your way. Uh, and, and for your peace of mind, if I were in your shoes, I would give her everything. Here you go, honey. I love you. You have everything. And, and, and give her the house. If she doesn't have money... Tell her to sell it, and tell her you can help help her move down into divorce apartment complex. Uh, let her let her live off that money, and, and tell her, hey, you know, it might be a good time for you to go get some education. Uh, if you go in there and you challenge the jurisdiction, uh, they can order whatever they want. They can yes, they'll they order can. whatever they want. They'll give her whatever they want, and uh, or. Uh, uh, give her the house and give her some alimony and, uh, you know, uh, you can fight these guys. You really can. Uh, you can play their game. Well, Go I get can, but I'm not, I, you know, I understand thing. what the risks are. You know, you said don't, you just said don't, don't do this if you're timid, right? If you, and, and I understand. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to yeah. decide, okay, do I really want to, do I really want to take the nuclear option or not? Yeah. And you're right. It's a very personal decision. Nobody can stand for me. I can, there's nobody yeah, in this universe who can do this other than me. Yeah. And I get Absolutely. all that. 
But I guess what I'm really asking you for is just a little bit of, like, more wisdom and knowledge and understanding and maybe just a little yeah. bit of advice. Like I said, I'm going to stop now because there's lots of other people that want to talk. If you happen yeah, to see yeah. my email, you know, just, you got a you got a you got a hard road to hoe. You really do. I'm telling you right now. Well, I haven't uh, even told you the second half of it, Chris. Okay, go read the second half of my email, and you'll find out about all the shit that's going on with the COVID. COVID. I'm already basically filing a CA against the company I work for. Right. I mean, this whole thing is going to blow up in May. Right. And as like you said, I'm just trying to pray and ask God. I, you know, I knew nothing about this six months ago, and I just said, well, God, you know, I've done everything I can all my life to be a Christian, to obey all of God's laws and obey all of man's laws. I guess that doesn't matter because they're coming after me no matter what. So yeah. I'm going to have to go in. I'm going to have to go out after this friggin', you know, monster, this giant who's slaying not, over, not only me but every other free-loving person in this world. I'm just going to have to right. go up against the giant. Yeah, go get him, David. That's what we all have to do in the end. Go get him, David. Take your handful of stones. All right. Uh, well, God bless if you're you. Gonna Thank you so much. If you're going to fight these people, fight them. If you're going to fight them, fight them. I get them. that. Uh, I agree. And uh, I wish you well. I will read your – I will get your emails pretty soon. I'll get to them pretty soon. Now I don't know now your situation. I've talked to you firsthand. Uh, I do this right. from time to time. I get I get a hold of people and they you know want me to see it quick. Uh, you, you, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm not asking for, you to uh, solve my problem. I'm not asking you to solve my problem, but I would like a little bit of your wisdom advice, right? I think I yeah. understand what the steps are to do. Yeah. I just needed I just well, need to if, decide if this is really what I want to do. Yeah. Well, if you're going if you're going to go the route uh, of the conditional acceptance, it'll stop them. It'll stop them. They won't be able to. Uh, they won't be able to move. The court won't be able to move once you do this. They may try, but it won't be legitimate. But I'll read your emails and I'll and I'll, uh, I'll get with you, man. All right. All right. God bless. Thank you. All right. Good luck, Thanks. David. Go get that giant. <laughs> um, I'd like to give a little bit of advice. Yeah. If you go even, right ahead. If you think that you're going to be heading into a divorce. Um, you need to protect your assets, and we have some state-of-the-art asset protection at the website. So if you guys want to uh, protect your assets, contact me at youhavetheright.com and uh, yeah. get ready now because when it's filed, it's too late. Yeah. Because you're in this situation, right. like you said, well, here you go, here, take it all, whereas if uh, if you have the right asset protection, well, I gave it away already. I don't have anything. Yeah. On me. Uh, that's always bitter. Divorce is, especially when you're with somebody like that. Uh, my parents were together 33 years. They were both in the mental health field. Uh, you know, my dad had a Christian counseling center. Uh, my mom even worked there from time to time. And they, they separated after 33 years. Ouch. And uh, so I knew that this was possible. People that I never, I, I only seen them argue one time, raise, raise their voices. And argue one time. Uh, in the 16, eight, 16, 17 years I lived with these people, uh, they would never raise their voice. Uh, they never went to bed angry. Uh, you know, and, and all it took was, uh, you know, the, the right circumstance to go down. And next thing you know, they're getting divorced. Uh, 
uh, it's a nasty thing to go through. It really is. It, it hurts a lot of people. It, it hurts the children. It hurts each one of the uh, the, the, the married couple. It hurts them too, man. It's it's not good. I've been through a couple divorces, and it's not good. I'm telling you, it is a bad thing to have to go through. But you know, it's 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 not always your uh, the option that you want to take. Uh, when you know when you got a spouse that wants a divorce, it's going to happen. Uh, no matter whether you want it or not. And then you got these shyster freaking lawyers out here. You know, they don't care if they wreck a family. Yeah. You know, uh, the first the first thing I would suggest if I was a, a divorce attorney is, have you tried counseling? Have you tried some marriage counseling? I would be more interested in trying to keep a marriage together than to get a bunch of money off the, uh, you know, off of some poor old gal. It ain't worked. It had never worked a day. I worked a public job in her life. Stay home, take care of me, everything. Uh, that's rough. It really is. It's hard for it's hard for anybody that has to go through. It really is. Yeah. But that's the way it is. Counting my blessings. All right. Yeah. So we're gonna go to three three seven area code wireless caller. You're next. Yes, go ahead. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hi, how are What's you? What's up, Elizabeth? I'm doing good. Say, so I got a couple of questions on um, a couple of things I'm working on. Um, I'm working on a conditional acceptance for an employer who was uh, stealing my um, wages and was changing my pay, and he he uh, fired me while I was um, off work. Now. My first question is, um, I don't really have an address. I have a P.O. box. Can I use a P.O. box address for um, drafting up my conditional acceptance? Yeah, you can, the conditional acceptance. Uh, actually, you can use them for every, you can use a P.O. box for everything as far as the address goes. Uh, the one thing that you can't use it for is the check, return check from the treasury in the contract. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't have a physical address for them to send it to, uh, then you need to put one on there, a mother's or a father's or somebody you trust, because it could be a rather large check coming from the treasury. Uh, so in a situation like that, I would suggest doing the 1199A. Uh, when you do the contract with the treasury, go ahead and mm -hmm. do the 1199A and send it with it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, here you go. Uh, it, it, according to the contract, you owe me X amount of dollars, and uh, you have 45 days to pay. Uh, let me help you make this a little quicker, so you don't have to cut a check. Just go ahead and transfer the money to this bank account. Oh, okay. Send and just open an account to. with the beneficiary. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Banks don't trust um, me. Trust me, folks. Banks do not like to do, like to give you a beneficiary account. But once they've opened it and and, and done the transactions with it, they can't close it. By the uh, way, and that, they threaten to. That eleven ninety nine, a form. Uh, it has to be sent. I think by the bank. The bank has to approve it as well. If you read the form. Yeah, I haven't yep. looked at it yet. I did find it because um, I was looking for banks that um, 
that I could open an account with and I was asking questions about, you know, putting all that money in there and because I, I, I remember Chris stating that if you didn't have a beneficiary account that the, that the, um, the Treasury will take the money and I don't want that to happen. And um, um, the other questions that I had was um, in my conditional acceptance, um, what if you can't find some of the accusers? Like if you don't have a full name or an address, does it matter? Or um, will it still link them up to the company that they were working for? Like I have an yeah, accuser can... here that I don't know what her location is, but I know her name. Okay, if you know her or, I mean, name. The accused, you know that I mean. Works... Yeah, if you know the accused name and you know that they work for the corporation, send it to the corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when oh, I do so I don't this, need to send uh, her one. Pardon me? I don't need to send her a copy of the conditional acceptance only to the company? You need to send it to the corporation. Okay. She's an agent. If you send it to an agent, uh, to notice the agent is to notice the uh, principal. Right, to even if she's not working there the anymore? Even if she's not working there. Uh, but uh, she would get a separate certified mail number as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because you're gonna you're gonna send these packets out separately. Each one's gonna have its own contract number. That's yeah. the certified okay. mail number. Mm-hmm. If you don't know if you're if you're doing a, a circuit court and you're doing the circuit court judge or, or a couple judges and you're doing the clerk, uh, you don't have to send. You can send them all to the clerk uh, the, the circuit court's address. That's how I did it. Oh, okay. Uh, I got, okay. I got four circuit court clerks, the circuit court, uh, or circuit court clerk, and four judges, and the court itself, the principal itself, and all them, all the, uh, you know, all five of those conditional acceptances went to the courthouse address. Okay. Um, I got two more questions. Um, okay. I think my phone is hacked. I've noticed that since I've been studying your stuff that uh, I've been having a little problem with my phone and um, my computer's dying on me and I've been needing to go to try to find to get me a new phone and I, I went to AT&T um, and try to haggle with them on um, you know getting a new phone and maybe a tablet or something so I can finish up some of my work because you know these things puking out on me is slowing me down a lot um, and uh, the I've only been to AT&T once. I only went to one. And um, I asked the lady after I talked with her about, you know, purchases and asking them about contracts and blah, blah, blah. And then I sprang the 1099 on there. You know, I go in there all cheerful and businesslike, you know, and try to have a good time with yeah. these folks. And um, uh, they told me that they didn't, wouldn't accept it, so I wanted to speak with the manager. And um, I got his business card and... Um, he told me that they would not accept the 1099A for payment. Um, now, I didn't do any contract. I didn't have them run my number, my Social Security number, or anything like that. Yeah. And um, and I just left yeah. it at that, and I left out. I said, okay, I might be back. And um, I haven't been back since. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, but I need to get me a new phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, get, I get it. Uh, Here's a, here's here's what I think about that. 
you when you when you got the if you don't give them the social security number, then you can't conditionally accept. It's the it's the turning over of that number that makes them trustees. Uh, sure. So you can't you can't conditionally accept them. Uh, there's been a lot mm-hmm. of people uh, say, I went to the dealership and I told them, what, you know, about the 1099A, and and, uh, uh, and they wouldn't they wouldn't accept it. Uh, can I do it conditionally? No, you can't because you didn't. That's why I tell folks to uh, to 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 do the application, even though you're not going to uh, finance it. Mm-hmm. What that does is that puts them in a, in a trusteeship. And, sure. Uh, and it's not that it's not about them having the right to decide whether or not they want to accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already have. When they take that and then they go run your number, come back and tell you that your credit sucks or or it's really good and we can finance you a car. <laughs> uh, that's when you drop it on them. Uh, the thing with the phone. Uh, you would probably be better off to go get the phone and get the tablet and go sign a contract for two years or whatever and uh, and then send them a uh, 1099A. Okay. I have crappy credit, so they're probably going to deny me. So at that point, would I just offer the 1099A for payment in full for everything? Well, they're going to – when you go in there to sign a contract, uh, they're gonna. Oh well, we got you this phone right here, and uh, you know it's an eight hundred dollar phone, and they they're gonna set you up on payments, right? They're gonna set you up. On they're gonna payments what? And oh yeah. Set you okay. up on payments. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You go and get a, a an iPhone thirteen. Uh, it's a you know it's a nine hundred dollar phone. Uh, you're going to make payments on it. That's how they're going to want you to do it anyway. Uh, right. You know, as far as your credit being bad, uh, would they reject you uh, for the service? They may, you know. I don't uh-huh. know. I've never got a phone on with bad credit. Well, I'm going to try you know. it and see what happens because I'm unemployed right now. I've been looking for work since October. And I'm going to finish up with my last questions here. And this is a really shitty part of the whole thing. Um I'm in a caregiver situation here where I'm in an agreement with a gentleman um, where I'm um, providing health care services in exchange for a room because I was caught up with the evictions and the 2020 COVID stuff, and I went back to Louisiana. I got caught up in hurricanes, and I came back to Texas, and I've been pretty much homeless ever since, and I've been working um, and saving my money, and I was living in the forest in a tent and living in my truck. Um, but a co-worker introduced me to this guy and told me at the time that she wanted to um, move into an apartment with her boyfriend. Well, I moved into the place and started giving care. Um, I am a certified medical assistant, um, and um, not long after I'd been living there, probably about a month or so, um, he starts in with his sexual antics, um, sexual harassment, and um, making suggestions and... um, I've been putting up with it, and we've had arguments, and I've asked him to please stop doing this stuff. Um, I'm not going to submit to any of, of anything that you want me to do. And um, he's threatened me twice now, and just not too long ago, he threatened me uh, probably about three days ago, um, again, to throw me out. And um, normally I would, I would 
just left if I was still working, and I'd, I'd be happy to go back yeah. to the forest where I was. Um, but I'm in a real situation here, and can I do a, a conditional acceptance now? The, the nurses that come out there, I've talked with them. They've all experienced the same thing. Nobody wants to go out there. And I went back to the woman that introduced me there, um, and I asked her about this guy. And, and then she tells me, yeah, that's why I left. So I'm like, well, well, why didn't you tell me from the beginning? Because I would have never went out there if he yeah, was like that. You, yeah, I mean, thanks. and she was like, well, thanks, it was man. better than being in the woods. And I'm like, fuck you, you know. I'd rather be in the fucking woods than dealing with this piece of shit right here. Because yeah. he's a freaking creep, man. He really yeah, is. Yeah. He's disgusting. And um, he, some of the things that he's really done is, is, is yeah, he really he's an old, old guy. guy. He's crippled. Yeah, he's crippled, and he's, he's just really gross. Yeah. He, he stinks, and he doesn't take care of himself. And, and everybody, the, nobody wants to be there. Even the nurses are, are going to stop their services, so I don't know what he's going to do. And he's known to yeah. be this way yeah. within the community. His children go all out yeah. there or nothing like that. And um, so if I wasn't, if I was not, if I was working, I'd, I'd just leave. But I'm not in that yeah. situation, and I don't have any money. I've spent up the money that I had to live on since October. Um, and yeah. so I'm in a real bind. He could, he could, yeah, he could be dangerous. Huh? He could be dangerous. You what know, do you mean? People like that could be dangerous. Well, I know that... dangerous living here. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. So it could be dangerous living there. Uh, well, it could be dangerous living in the woods, too. Uh, as far as writing a conditional acceptance, uh, uh, you can. You, any, what's the offer that's being made? What's the offer? What's that? Well, what he's offered the offer uh, uh, sexual favors. Um, he wanted me to go um, on trips with him, things that he's, he's not going to yeah. ever do. And he wanted me to be in a relationship with him. He's always making comments about how good-looking my legs are, want me to flash him my boobs, yeah. and want me to give him yeah. a bath. And, I mean, he wants to shave my legs. I mean, it's just disgusting one. shit like that. One day I was coming into work. He, um, I was coming in from work, and one night, because um, I was working nights, and um, I, I would tend to him when I get off work, and uh, he pulls back at his blanket and exposes himself. And I was like, what are you doing? While I was pouring him some water and some milk. And I said, what are you doing? And he, and he was like, oh, I got to pee. And he covers his shit back up. And then one day he wanted me to sit and talk with him. Um, and he always likes you to sit in front of him. So when I was sitting there talking with him, you know, he, I, I see, notice his blankets going up and down. And I, I get up and I, I left. And I said, you're fucking sick, man. And I freaking left out, out the house and I left. If you're going to do anything about this guy, you're going to have to get some evidence. You have to get some evidence on this guy to do anything about it. You got to get him, record him doing some of that stuff, and you know if he's exposed himself intentionally, uh, that's sexual assault. Now, yeah, I think the, yeah, the, the you know, God. And while he's when he's going <sighs> into jail, you can now it's not worry about it. Well, yeah, uh, I don't know if all that's going to happen because I really don't have evidence other than just, you know, what I've documented. You know, I don't, yeah. what I've written down. I don't have actual, yeah. you know, 
proof or audio or nothing like that. Yeah, well, you, can have, you can get some of that. If he's if he's a pervert yesterday, he's going to be a pervert tomorrow. <laughs> All right. well, we've had quite a few so, arguments, and I've shamed him quite a bit. So, um, so We have some other folks that are waiting. We, we kind of have to move on. All right, on. well, thank you so much, Chris. Right. Um, you've helped out a lot. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Situation. Okay. New York, 929 area code. Go ahead. Hi, Chris. This is Robert here. Hey. I, my question is about um, treasure contract. They're not so visible on YouTube when you, you have took the screenshot. So we can... Um, I'm interested in the footnotes. I did send you an email, so uh, I'm more about that. Thanks, for Thanks a lot. Okay. Have you sent me an email yet? Yeah, I did. It's a, it has attachment to it so you can see what's there. Okay. okay. What's, the, what's the name? It's RobbieCulture at gmail.com. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm trying to get them worked out. I had a bunch of them. I had a bunch of them gone, and uh, because of uh, my phone getting hacked, and right. uh, and then after I got them back up, a lot of people resent, and I'm trying to get through all these. Uh, Do you have I a normally go through. The, I normally go through the ones with attachments first. Right. That's what I'm working through, uh, and there's a lot of attachments, a lot of email attachments, so. As soon as I get you one, I will send you a copy uh, of, of the conditional acceptance. Uh, I'll send you the the Ron Lyons one. It's traffic. It's got all the footnotes in it and everything. Yeah, the footnotes. Right. I'm I'm really interested in the footnotes just to make sure you know I want to have a read as well. Yeah. So you know the document. Yeah. Okay. Thank you yeah. very much. All right. Yeah, thanks for calling in, brother. You guys, I want to keep this to if you actually have a question, not, hey, check my email. That's, that's not the purpose of this call. Um, if you yeah. have a question, especially that other people are going through, you're going to be answering it for them as well. You're going to be asking it for them as well. So we're going to go to 917 area code. Go ahead. Yes, uh, good evening, Chris. Uh, my name is Mark. Um, I um, have a question. I am a business person. I have a couple of businesses, uh, real estate, um, mortgage company, and a car dealership. I also have a consulting um, business. Um, yes, I know. We sent you all e- We all sent you emails. We're just waiting for the response. Um, the the question is that um, we've done quite a few of the the 1099s, and as you know, the 1099 is just the front um, of the process, but the the rest of the process is behind the the document that we, as a business, uh, as you say, the trustee, has to fill out. One of the questions I have with the the, the IOD, which um, I was talking to a, a gentleman earlier. In box one of the, the form, we normally put the acquisition um, amount in it, the abandoned um, property amount, the value. But someone was telling yeah. us, which we get paid for it, so I'm not sure if it's a, you know, a mistake, it was happened, um, and that you know, it, they overlooked it. But if someone would tell me that that box should be zero if we never receive any funds 
within the year 2021 um, um, and, and if we do receive, then the amount should be in that um, for the funds that we do receive um, for that year. I just want to clarify with that because we don't want to continue doing it as we're, we were doing and they caught up with us and, and return our document or, as you said, give us a notice um, for um, um, incorrect filing. The, yeah. the well, other one can. is that... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, buddy. Do you have a part of the question? Yeah, the other part of the question is the, um, the Margaret side, which basically we did the same process for a, the auto um, um, dealer, and we did the same thing as for the 1099. Um, for the, the, the mortgage um, process, what we do is we add a 35% um, commission for ourselves on, what, on the, the cost of the, 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 the acquisition. Um, we really did not have a problem getting paid. I just got paid. Um, you know, 900000 for a property for a lady in California. Um, they approve it. We got the check. Um, we didn't have a problem with that. But um, I just wanted to make sure that filling out these forms um, is the correct way of filling these forms out. Um, and the 1099 IOD is one of the, is that, is the big, is that biggest question we have. Yeah, the, the box one and the IOD. Yes. Yeah, that's original uh, issue discount for uh, for the year. Uh, the, it's the same year as the document itself. All right. Uh, if it's two, if it's twenty 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 one, you put it in there. You, you also put the same amount in box four in box four uh, when you're doing the IODs. Uh, right. So the box four is normally about, zero. Pardon me? The box four would normally be zero, and the box eight would be the acquisition amount. The original, uh, you thought you're in the IODs? <clears throat> yes. O- OIDs, you mean? Yeah, the OIDs. The OIDs, sorry, the OIDs. Yeah. You're talking about in box, uh, box eight? Right, which uh, the, that is the abundant property that's, amount that's, that's treasury, on the, the treasury's obli- that's the treasury's obligation. That's what the treasury is supposed to pay you. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and you're talking about it being in box in box eight, box eight, and box one. So we we normally be. put the same amount in box eight as we put in box one. So, but someone was telling us that is not correct. Who's telling you? Uh, it's not, is it someone from the IRS telling you it's not correct? No, um, someone from the group. Um, so I just want to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, someone from the from the the the, the Telegram group, right? Yes. Okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna uh, leave box uh, box one empty, you're just gonna put it in box eight. You're going to want to put a zero in there with a line through it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You don't, right. don't leave it blank. Put a zero. All those other ones that are that are open for amounts to be put in, uh, all the other boxes, 
You want to put you want to put a zero with a line through it. Okay. Well, we we never been but putting a zero, the, the line through it, but um. When we did the lien securities and we did the OIDs, what we did with those is uh, we put the same amount in box one and eight, or box one and box four. Okay. We didn't put the uh, we didn't put anything in box uh, uh, in box eight. So when you see the videos that I'm doing, uh, it's different because they're lien securities. Right. So the you just do box. Is, yeah, go ahead. The other question I want to ask is that we are um, we do liens um, for our clients, and we get we get the companies um, in. Um, you know, a, a large lien um, on for each one, one of the clients. Um, mm-hmm. So far, we we haven't um, enforced the lien. We we get them in a 10-day notice. We get a, both 10 days and 7-day notice on the liens um, with the certified mail return. And but we haven't re- enforcing the liens because one, I we do not know how to you know charge ourselves that 35% to ourselves and the rest goes to the client. Um, so that's one of the questions I would like to ask you, how we would we go about collecting that um, our commission from that those liens that we 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 we, we get um, we get these company into contract for our clients. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> In your situation there, uh, what you're doing is your the liens that you're creating, you're not turning them over to the treasury. And so what's happening is your uh, those liens that you put on them, uh, th- that just means that there's a debt that's owed. That's all that lien means is there's a debt that's owed uh, until you monetize it and send it to the treasury. Uh, that's all it is. It's a notice that they owe you the money. Uh, you can take liens out. I work for a guy doing cleanup in the, in the hurricane storms. And uh, he ended up owing me $28,000 for 45 days' worth of work uh, because that was the deal we made. And, right. and he, I got the judgment, and, and, and I put some liens on his equipment. And, uh, but that doesn't – the, the, what you have is a lien security. Uh, you don't have a possessory lien. Uh, a possessory lien, well, you may have it. I, I don't know the whole circumstances that you're talking about. But like uh, a mechanic's lien. A mechanic's lien is a possessory lien uh, or a possessory security. And uh, uh, But if you just put a lien on someone, all you're doing is the, the only thing you can do is keep them – uh, restrict them from using their own property until they pay you. Uh, I don't know if, if by, by what you're explaining, I don't know if there is any way to collect. Uh, well, you just put the lien on them so they can't sell it until until you're paid. Uh, like with the houses, I tell people in the foreclosure, I advise, or uh, however the case may be, if your house is about to be foreclosed, uh, go and put a, a UCC-1 lien, a million-dollar UCC-1 lien, uh, 
on that home. And that's not going to keep them from kicking you out of the home, but what it will do is it will keep them from selling it. Uh, if you owe $120,000 on the mortgage and you got a million-dollar lien on it, they can't sell that until they pay you. And so whatever you've got your lien on, they can still use, but they can't sell it until they pay you. Or if so they let me explain. It, they have to... Let me explain what happened with the liens. Um, we do a, a conditional um, acceptance, a 10-day conditional acceptance, um, yeah. um, and get them into the contract because they, they're unable to... Um, to meet the demand of the contract, now that's become, um, you know, they owe us. So we never really filed the lien with the, uh, with the, with the treasury because, um, because I'm not, we're not sure how to, to say, okay, 35% out of this lien belongs to us if, if the client ever collects it. You'd have to help your client do the contract with the treasury. And then the 65% they would get, you would get the 35 out of it. Right. Does that make any sense? Yes. If you, if you put a lien on someone, all you, got, all you have is a lien. That's it. Uh, it's, it's when you take it and for collection. Uh, there, I'm sure there's some way that you could actually probably, I think, uh, uh, take a, a lien and, and and send it to a collection agency and say, hey, uh, here's your here, here's your job. You collect this and you get 25. percent uh, All they're going to do is call the call the 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 uh, person that you leaned and try and get the money out of them. Uh, try and get them to pay something so they can get something. That's okay. kind of how that works, man. Unless you're ready to get your client to uh, drop these documents in Janet Yellen's lap. And uh, you can give up some of the some of the value of it to get it collected. I don't see any other way of doing it, really. We would send it send it in to 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 to, to her. Um, we would we would normally do all the the paperwork as for the client, send it in, and monetize it. But I just we just want to figure out how would we um, do it. And as you said, just make a contract with with, with the client. For our 35%, so whatever they collect, that 35%, or we put a lien on them for the 35%, and when they collect, they have to pay us to enforce it. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. if you got a contract with them to get 35% of their 65%, uh, they yes. would be paying you. Or you could get them, when you do it, you could get them to give you the whole amount, have the treasury send you the whole amount. And then you can give them 65%. You can give them their cut. All, all you'd have to do for that would, would be to get your client to give you the power of attorney to, uh, to do this for them. Okay. And you'd get the money. All right. The money to yeah. you, and then you would be responsible for giving the 65% uh, of the 65% that you would get for them. That's, that's probably okay. the best way to do it. And sure, you're going to keep your money. That. You're going to get your money. Okay. All right. Does All right. Your I, as I said, yes. As I said, we are um, multiple different businesses. Um, we try to work with the people in the group, 
by, um, you know, giving them the opportunity to do the 1099. But we are facing great um, backlashes from, from people who do not understand the system, people who have very short um, attention span and decided to call you names and, and have attitude for no reason. So I decided we withdraw our, um, um, you know, our offer from, um, you know, helping people in the group. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to do that, but um, when we not get in the cooperation from people, people want to call you, um, you know, robots and all those crap, liars and scammers and all those stuff. You just don't want to work with people because you're helping them as well as they're helping you. Because yeah. yes, we're getting 25% of it. But sometimes we have to weigh weigh the balance and say, does it work it? Yeah. Well, thanks for calling uh, in. Okay, thank you. Okay, my other brother, Daryl. Hello, Tad. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> um, okay, all right, here we go. Uh, hello, Chris, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. How about you? Not too bad. Okay, so uh, mine's an RS issue. I went to uh, jail for 15 months, and after I got out, um, and I did have, well, I got an attorney because my sisters wouldn't help me anymore, but I've been down this road a long time. I got out. Uh, I did a process with Tad through, uh, through one of his friends, okay. and we've got a judgment from the tax court that said they had no jurisdiction over all the years that I was supposedly put in jail for. Okay, so they said they ah, had no crazy. jurisdiction in 2018. What's your question, Chris? No, I, I was messing with my phone there. Just, I lost the screen. Okay. Uh, so, so, anyway, so you went to tax court, and then they charged you, and you did 15 months in the feds, and now there's right, no no jurisdiction? No. Well, no, I got all this information after I got out. I didn't owe the IRS anything to begin with, um, but I beat them a couple of times, so they wanted to body slam me. So um, I had already gone to to, jail, to court with them and, and duped it out with the judge, just as a federal judge, asked, you know, question jurisdiction, this and that and the other, and uh, had put some stuff into the attorney general to prove up what uh, to translate the statutes to common law and gave them 60 days to do that. And and um, in the meantime, I didn't hear anything back, back from the attorney general. And I told the judge I wouldn't be back unless we heard something from the attorney general because he had no jurisdiction in the case. And he said, no, I do, and I'm ruling on it. I got jurisdiction. So all that's kind of preset. But they basically were going to do what they did. And then I had got got an attorney, so... The attorney took everything back out of the court that I'd put in. But anyway, so prior, after I'd gotten out of prison, uh, I did uh, Carrie's process with Tad and got a judgment from the tax court that they had they had no jurisdiction from 99 to the year 2018, which was the time period that... Let me, let me kind of elaborate a little bit what it said, okay? Yeah. What <clears throat> what it said is the court does not have jurisdiction 
because the IRS did not issue notice of deficiency, and notice of determination that would grant jurisdiction to the court. In other words, they never assessed a tax. They just started sending bills and collecting and threatening and sending to jail without ever legally assessing a tax. And that's what they admitted in the motion to dismiss. They admitted we did not assess a tax. Now, they didn't say it like that, but they, they said we did not issue a notice of deficiency, notice of determination, which is code for we're operating outside of the law. Okay, so they go to the tax okay. court, and they say, hey, court, you have no jurisdiction. We didn't issue these notices. There's no tax here is in between the lines what they're saying. They're saying there is no tax yeah. to collect here. Okay, and then the court says, well, if you didn't issue it, you're right. There is no tax to collect, and we can't hear it. And they go back to beating the guy up. So uh-huh. anyway, so here we are there. So which is the best way to go about this? You go after the judge? You go after the prosecutor? What's the best way to go about this, conditional acceptance? Uh, if you go after one, you've got to go after them all. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if, if their name was on your document or they sit in there and they were part of that tribunal, you include them. Uh, I've okay. Even done so what, I've even done bailiff. So, Oh, well, I, they threw me out of the – this is another thing. When I was in there duking it out with the judge prior to the trial starting, um, and I told him I wasn't coming back if we hadn't heard from the attorney general. But anyway, they basically grabbed me, hauled me out of the courtroom, hauled me downstairs, took me all the way off the property and threw me off the property and said, don't come back. I said, thanks, I won't be back. Then when I didn't show up, they issued they issued a uh, – bench warrant, and then they uh, picked me up later down the road, about a month later down the road, um, yeah. and threw me in jail and wouldn't let me out until I said uncle. Yeah, this is one time we need, and this is why we need more ropes in this country. Yep. That's crazy, man. <laughs> they they admit they're wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, out. yeah. Well, you know, they... They brought this. Uh, they brought this uh, attorney out of, uh, or this uh, prosecutor out of Washington D.C. on me. So you know they had. Yeah. But I'm in here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So they had the, the judge and the system had to perform for him. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Anyway, so so where did the federal court get jurisdiction from? If the, if the IRS said they didn't have it, they don't have. It. So the tax court was after the fact. He went to prison right. first, and all the, all the whatever stuff that happened, and then he went to the tax court. Uh, um, I'm thinking go back to the federal court and reconsider upon newly discovered information or newly discovered evidence. Yeah, and, yeah. And then after that, do like an appeal. Yeah, and then once you get a judgment, turn around and sue them for all their time they all your time they took from you. So you're saying going back the conventional way, not conditional acceptance, or do conditional acceptance to get agreement of the parties and then move forward? Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would to me it make more sense uh, to get it back into their arena. As much as I don't like messing around with them, uh, if, they're, if they're admitting that they're wrong, then it would be to me it'd make more sense to go back and. 
and get that judgment, you know. And then if they don't, if they don't give you what they're, they, uh, you know, if they don't give you right rule, then hit them. Then hit them. Okay. Something like that. Because they, 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 they're totally in dishonor and they're mouthfeasing oh, yeah. off. They already are mouthfeasing in office. And there's no statute, statute of limitation on fraud. So you can do this. 20 years from now, or you can do it tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Uh, but if you would like to see how it plays out, and, you know, they're, they're, they don't like to come out of their pocket and pay you for their wrong. Uh, but when they finally admit that they are, then they do. They will put, they will pull that money out. Well, gonna make you my, con- my biggest concern is dealing with the corruption again. You know, they'll try to get away with it again. You know, you're talking federal judges. And this one, the judge, it might be, he may have retired. He was pretty close. So um, yeah. I will well, say that, uh, what's that? That might be the best time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's kind of a sticky situation you got there. Yeah, I don't like that sound. But you can always you can always conditionally accept. There's no you can do that whenever. Uh, I'll tell you this much: uh, those federal judges they don't like that. Uh, one of the guys that was his name was Brian Snow. He was one of the guys that was in in our stuff there. Uh, back before 2017, and he was his issues were over taxes. Uh, I think 150 thousand dollars in back taxes, and uh, <clears throat> he did that. He did the conditional acceptance on two federal judges, uh, three IRS workers, and when it came down to it, uh, the the Fed said we want him. Uh, when they got all of us and we all went in front of the state, the feds got him. And he he didn't know enough. He was separated from us. And he didn't know enough about what it was that he did. So he took a plea. They had uh, two federal prosecutors from Washington, D.C. Come to, come to Knoxville for his case. And uh, there at the last minute, he... Uh, he got scared at the right before the trial at the last minute. He got scared, and he took a plea deal, thirty months. He hmm. served fifteen, and he was let out. And he had to agree to uh, pay the back taxes. So, yeah, and, and that was they don't like that. They don't like their federal judges being messed with. Yeah, so that might be very dangerous. Right. Yeah, when, right. That's well, what I, I do. I, I go, I take the traditional road and see what the outcome is. And if they're and after, them after admitting they were wrong, uh, they choose to screw anyway. Then you, what do you got to lose? Go ahead and slam them. Right, and I've got some restitution I need to deal with. Um, well, because I agreed to it, you know, because I knew that they yeah, were yeah. going to lock me yeah. up forever if I did. 
Can you do a 1099-C on that? Fraud, though. What's that? You, know, you agreed to that contract. You agreed to that contract under fraud. Okay, right. So it should be voided. There wasn't full disclosure. There was, doesn't sound to me like there was full disclosure. Right. Yeah. So you can't do a 1099-C or something like that to get rid of it? Well, the, the restitution? Yeah. You blipped out, Chris. Say it again. I said, yeah, you can do the ten for the restitution. You can do the 1099A. 1099A? Uh, there was a guy. Yeah, 1099A. <clears throat> you can't do, and listen, folks, the beneficiary cannot do a 1099C. You don't oh, do okay, them at all. I got you. With an A, with okay. an A, you and send it on down, so the, send that on the, down the rail. But the 1099C, right. you can't because 1099Cs are for financial institutions. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. So you don't want to do those. You want to do the 1099A. Uh, there was a guy on the Zoom conference I was on there last Monday night who had used 1099A to pay off his tax debt, and they took it. So they right now it. I'm paying the 50 bucks a month. <laughs> All right, so we got some other people that are waiting. All right, man. So, okay, thank, luck, thank you. Really? Okay, uh, 414 area code, dialing. Hey, Darlene and Darlene Mary Angela, foreclosure had an express trust. The judge ended up retiring after the foreclosure. Now, um, March 14th at the sheriff's sale due to uh, shitty contractors that worked on my house um, had given them uh, several instruments and they declined from accepting them and never returned them to me. Your... Uh, your feedback on that scenario, thank you in advance. Yeah. Is that it? Any more questions? No, that's it. All right. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Thanks for calling in. Okay. 718 area code, you're next. Hello. Hello. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I appreciate your time tonight. I just have two questions for you. I'm going to try to make it real short. Uh, but uh, my child is about to turn 18. I heard you uh, prior to one of the calls talking in regards to going on to Social Security and having them, uh, I guess, uh, remove themselves as the custodian of me creating, a, uh, a, I guess, Acquiring a Social Security card and have them do it to, I guess, take care of the trust. Do you can you elaborate more on that, or do you have anything that I can utilize yeah, so I can sure. take them down there to do that? Sure. First off, yeah, you. You're breaking up, Chris. Start over. Incredibly savvy. Uh, this kid is going to need to dose some stuff. Uh, he's going to need to know how to respond, and he's going to need to know how to. Uh, be firm and because they are going to 
You're, you're sending it. When you do this with your 18-year-old, you're sending them into a den of thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to be uh, uh, cordial and inviting when you do this. You, they have to go in there as a belligerent claimant. When you go in there at 18, think about this, folks. If you have an 18-year-old and they've been putting a million dollars in his trust or her trust uh, since they were born, you're going to have $18 million in that trust. Or if it's uh, uh, 1.5, you're going to have $27 million in that trust. 26, 27. Uh, Probably a little less because the trust, they take money. If, if if they go in there and they try this, what you got to understand is the parent signs the Social Security application, uh, 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 and they you're breaking up. You're breaking up, Chris. Okay. They can you hear me now? Uh huh. Yes. Okay. They your parents when they get to Social Security card. They sign for you. They're signing as if they are you. And because they're adults, they do this. They they initiate the, the trust as a grantor or, or a settler. And they are acting as a fiduciary for the child that's the beneficiary. Now, when that child turns 18, the first time they use that number... At 18, they've contracted, contractually accepted that. They're saying, I accept this trust uh, that my parents created for me. So when you do this and you want to go in there and do the trust, uh, you're going to have to know what you're talking about when you go in there because they're going to be slick. And once you initiate this, it could be a little while before you actually beat them up enough that they actually give you the money that's in the trust. Uh, so the, the child has to be super savvy when they go in there. Uh, can't be shaky at all. Uh, Understand they're going to have so, uh, to go in there with confidence. And, and not a lot of 18-year-olds do that. Been raised their whole life to mind uh, their elders, and and, you know, they may have to get a little forceful. They don't know this kind of thing. That's why I say you got to be real savage. When you go in there at 18 years old, you're going to ask. You're going to ask to speak to the the supervisor mm-hmm. in the social security office, and you're you're going to tell him that uh, look, I'm I'm 18 years old, and I don't wish to utilize this trust uh, because I'm 18. Uh, you have to get me to. Uh, agree to this trust by using it, and I'm not going to use it. Uh, so what I want is an off-ledger and an off-ledger. What I require is an off-ledger and an, an on-ledger account of the trust at its inception, and I want to check for the balance. Now, they are not going to be happy, uh, and there's going to be a fight, Uh they're going to try and, well, you know, you know, none of that, you know, they're going to try and wiggle their way out of it. And 
there may be a, a legal battle that gets started over this to get them to actually move. They're not going to want to let an 18-year-old know that they've been putting $1.2 million in their trust every year since they were born because that 18-year-old is going to go out there and tell their 17-year-old friend, hey, as soon as you turn 18, go get your money. Uh, so when you and when you do this, you're going to close the trust. Uh, you can feasibly close the trust and then go open up a new one as soon as you get your money. Uh, because the thing, the thing about it is, is everybody wants to uh, get out of the system. They want to uh, uh, do whatever it takes, correct the status or whatever. Uh, what you really want to do is run that, run that trust. Uh, you want to work it. Uh, think about it this way. You can go in there and, at 18 and get, uh, say there's 20, uh, $24 million. How long do you think that uh, that $24 million is going to last an 18-year-old? <laughs> uh, not very long. If they're really, really smart and they know how to invest. Uh, now, that same 18-year-old can go till they're 65. You know, now you've got 120-some, 30-some, or 150-some million dollars in the trust that you can get at 65, and you're going to be a lot smarter with money by the time you're 65. Uh, I'm not trying to discourage any 18-year-old from trying this. Uh, but it may be in their best interest to run that. Uh, I've told some mothers uh, out there who refuse to get Social Security cards for their children. Uh, why would you do that? Uh, they're going to uh, open up a trust that your child, if they're if if you're smart and their and your children are smart can use it for their benefit. Uh, the government likes people to do it, so the government can use it for their benefit. Uh, if, it, if you learn how to, if you get this, I've actually talked to some mothers that are going, hey, I'm going to look into that because I'm going to consider that uh, because now you can get the benefits that uh, the government gives for these children uh, you know, a lot of parents can't afford to send their children to college. But you can go on your trust. Uh, there's people out there who have student loans. Uh, well, you can go on your trust and get student loans, too. Uh, that's what you're doing. When you get the uh, the FAFSA, and they give you the PAL grant, uh, that money's coming from your trust. So are the student loans. When you apply for a student loan, that money's coming out of your trust. Well, now you can go pay it back. You can get that money, use it, have a fun time while you're in college, get your college, get your education paid for, you know, or you can get your $24 million out when you're 18. Uh, could you do that? Yeah. 
But I'm telling you what, old dad, I hope your son likes you a whole lot uh, and is willing to let you take that money and, and safeguard it, let you be the trustee for that. If not, he's going he's gonna to blow through it. Oh, no, we have, we have a very good relationship, so I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, fast cars and pretty girls. I'm 18 <laughs> years old, that's all. I, you give me $24 million when I'm 18, fast cars and pretty girls. Uh, no, nah, he's pretty. He's pretty. He's pretty grounded. Pretty grounded. That's good. Yeah. And he's done a good job. Yeah. Uh, well, you can try it, but I would really seriously work hard with him. Uh, you need to get his mind where ours is at right now. Uh, uh, you know, I've been holding off trying to tell folks how to do this uh, because I've been working through this whole process five years now. And I still haven't got it all pinned down, the language that I would use and the steps that I'm going to need to take. Yeah, that, that's, what I, that's what I was concerned about, just the language and, and what I'm going to say. Because as you, I, you know, as I listened to your audios, I know you said you have two cracks at 18 and 65. And I, I'd rather start them yeah. off at 18 on a good foot and, and get a lot of things set up for him, so that, uh, you know, he, the 65 yeah. is way off. We don't know what can happen between 18 and 65. So. Yeah, you sure don't. You sure don't, um, My, and that's a that's a gamble. It really is. Well, I'll, I'll take I'll take the chance. I just I just I want to make sure that I'm I'm going in there uh, probably prepared and and as far as the verbiage and whatnot is concerned. So that, that's, that's what I was. Exactly that's, the, that's the guidance I want from you in regards to that. If you have yeah, anything yeah, as far as the script, and I can just study and 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 go with him and just and just prep him as far as what yeah. you know what's said and what your response could be yeah the most important thing folks is trust law i don't know how many times i say this trust Mm -hmm. law uh trust law in commerce uh that's our whole system our whole system revolves around those two things uh learn them you don't need to learn legalese you don't need to learn all these codes and rules and regulations uh you need to learn trust law you need to learn what your position is in in the in the trust. Uh, once you do that, you can take advantage of it uh, and get more than twenty four million dollars out of your trust over the years. You got to take. You might not live to be sixty five, uh-huh. but if you do, if you if you work it right uh, for the rest of your days, you got yourself. Uh, you know, you got your needs met. That's a lot. That's a lot of it. But. Okay, so we do have a lot of people waiting. Does that answer your no, question? I just what I got. I got yeah. One more. I got another okay, very question, quickly, please. Okay, the other question uh, somebody alluded to earlier with seven one eight in regards to the uh, OIDs in box one, and I just wanted to get the clarity on that is that if you have not done any uh, OIDs for the year, that box will remain zero. But if you let's say you've done three OIDs your fourth one should be a running tab of the three that you did prior to that fourth one. Yes or no? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. When you look at the directions, when you look at the instructions of the OID, that's pretty clear. Okay. Uh, and the last one I sent and, and the last one I sent you a, a, a copy of my bond in Messenger. If you can just take a look at that and just critique that and let me know if if that's right. what he's signed okay. and send with a conditional acceptance. Okay. So we we I'll got other people. I'm, I'm working on it. We got other back. people that are waiting. Thank you. Thanks, man. Um. Uh, 
Where did she go? Okay, Mary, you have a foreclosure. Dang it. Hit star six again, please. Apparently, we didn't get um, an answer for Mary on her uh, sheriff's sale soon. Okay, yeah, Mary, darling. Quickly, the, yeah, just um, remedy for the sheriff's sale March 14th. Thank you. Have a blessed evening. So she got a sheriff sale coming up. Any remedies? Man, when it's when it's coming, it's that's down past the wire. Uh, they've already foreclosed, and uh, you know, short of getting ready to sling some bullets, there ain't a whole lot you can do at that point. Yeah, I hate it, man. There's so many people out here, and I got a sheriff sale next week. Or uh, when it's when it's like that, you're pretty much. They're throwing your stuff out, you know. And that's where Karen was at. You know, they're coming to throw your stuff out. Uh, they don't care. Uh, I wish it was like it was in the 20s, in the 30s, when the sheriff came out to get the farm. The neighbors beat the sheriff up. <laughs> Sounds good. You know what I mean? The neighbors beat the sheriff right. up. Uh, you might get this house, but you're going to carry an ass whooping on your way. Uh, people aren't like that anymore. No, they're pussified. Yeah. They're, yeah. Okay, does that answer your question, Mary? Um, so if I go and hire an attorney and file bankruptcy, will that hold it off? No, you're past you're past that. Uh you're you're already foreclosed, you've lost the property, right? No, no the sheriff's sale is coming up. That's the sheriff's you lose sale the property. Oh, they're going to sell the whole property. Oh, yeah, okay. I do I do the UCC one. Okay. And then I'm going to lean on it. Go to your secretary of your state's office and and, okay. and, and do, a, do a search for UCC one financing okay. statement. And yes, I got it up. Put a million-dollar uh-huh. million lien on that house. That way, when you okay. go up there, when you to the, you could actually take that to the sheriff's sale and say, "Look, any of y'all want to buy this house? Get ready, because uh, you're going to be paying me a million dollars." Okay. You might want to do some research on um, how a, a, a lien claimant can claim their position, because I think that unless they do, they kind of ignore it. I think there's a, a procedure on how to do that. Okay. And so then where it says um, security parties name of um, assessee, do, do I put my name in there or do I? Are you looking Who's... at a, are you looking at a UCP one? Yes. They, uh, they have debtor. They have debtor. And then they have secured parties name. Who would the debtor be? The the debtor is uh on on the UCC one the debtor's uh-huh. the uh the debtors would be like uh 
whoever's claiming that they own it. Let me see here a minute. Damn, I got the wrong one. No, it's right here. No, it's right here. Hang on just a second. I want to get one in front of my face right here just so I got this straight. Uh, on the UCC one, the debtor uh, would be you would be the creditor on the UCC one. Uh, let me make sure this is right. Uh, yeah, the debtor uh, you would be the creditor. Okay, you'd be the secured party. Secured party name. That would be you. So who's the debtor? In in in, in on Tennessee's UCC one, the debtor uh, would be the one who who owes. Uh, actually, the debtor would be the house. The de- uh, and that is the debtor would be the house. Okay, when you do a UCC one on a house, the debtor is yep. the house. Okay, it's it's like saying this: I lived in you old house, and uh, I took care of you old house. Uh, you owe me some money there, old house. Uh, that's what I would put in there, uh, in, in, and then you got the address, right? Right. You got it'd be like organization's name, right? And uh, you could put uh, the street address, the mailing address, organization's name. You could actually put the uh, the, the the lot number or the deed, the, re- the where they where it's registered. Uh, the property's registered at the county, right? Right, I have that all. Okay. Yeah, and then put down the address, the street address. Well, you could for organization or individual surname. You you wouldn't do an individual surname or or first name because you're making the debtor that. You would use the street address, and for organization, see, because it'll say. If you're, if you're looking at the same one I am, uh, uh, you got a debtor, and then it says A or B, okay? Does yours say that? Uh, yes. Your UCC1, it'll say uh, number one, debtor's name. Yes. And then you'll have A or B, okay? So uh-huh. B would be... An individual surname, a first name, additional names, a suffix. You would use an organizational name. Organ the A. You'd use organizational name. Okay. Uh, two story brick ranch on, you know, two story brick ranch, uh, lot number whatever, and then you put the or, or a, a county record, uh, uh, the county record surveyor number. And then yeah. down in the mailing address, you put that address to the house. And then down in the okay. secured party, you would use the B side, which would be the individual surname, first name, and individual uh, middle name or initial. 
And then put your address. Down in the description, the collateral description, right? Then yes. after you put the description of uh, of the house that owes you the money and how much it owes you. And that's pretty okay. much going to be, uh, and, and if yours says maximum principal indebtedness for whatever your state is, recording tax purposes, leave that zero. Okay? Put a zero in there. Uh, because what we've learned from our thing, our situation right now, uh, Tennessee is arguing, uh, even though the collateral description said $12 million, because we didn't put, we put uh, zeros in maximum principal indebtedness for Tennessee recording tax purposes is, because we put zero in there, they're saying that they're that that the actual UCC one has no amount. It has no value. Okay. Right. So leave that zero. And if you you may not be able to keep them from selling it, but if they do, you're going to get paid first. You know what I'm saying? And they better have a million. They better. And you can you can say that. They can, if somebody comes in and goes, look, we're going to buy this house, okay, you're going to buy this. Then if you're going to buy this, you're going to assume the lien, too. If you buy this house, get ready to live in it the rest of your life because I'm going to do this UCP1 every year. You will not be able to sell this house because the lien will stay on there no matter what the sheriff does. Okay, and then one more quick question. Number seven, where it says alter, uh, what the hell does it say? It says lease, consigner, buyer, seller, daily, bailer, leased, leaser. Do I write anything there? Oh, uh, no. Okay. Yeah, I know what you. I see what you're saying. The lease, leaser, uh, constant E and constant or. Right. Seller, buyer, Bailey, uh, Baylor, or, or Bailey or Baylor, licensee or licensor. Right. Yeah, you leave that. You leave those blank. Okay, and then number five, do I leave blank also? Where it says check collateral is held in trust. Yeah, leave those blanks. Okay, there. awesome. Leave everything awesome. blank below below uh, collateral. Okay, below wonderful. Below Thank you. God bless you. All right. Thank you, Mary. Yeah. God bless you too. Okay, Toronto. Toronto, Ontario. Hello. My name is Iris. Hello, Chris. Um, thank you for taking the time. I'm just going to keep this short. I have a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is regarding my Social Security card. I'm a young adult, and I'm wondering if I can just go ahead and edit my name on the Social Security, or do I just have to go down to the uh, Social Security admin, admin office to uh, get a new one with my beneficiary signature on it? You, you won't get one with the beneficiary signature on it. 
That cre- that card is the trust, the name of the trust. You will not get. Uh, you will not get it. No one will ever get a social security card. It's going to be upper and lower case and hyphens and colons and comma beneficiary. You're not going to get that. I understand, uh, but there's a there's a signature that you're supposed to sign on the card itself. That's the more yeah. the, like the wet ink signature. That's more what I'm talking yeah. about. If you're if you're if that's all you're trying to do is get your get your social security card so that you can put a beneficiary signature on it. Go down there and tell them you lost it. Go down to Social Security so office and say, if I already have a, the, I already have the Social Security card. Am I allowed to edit the signature in any way, or would I have to get a completely new one in order to do that? Uh, so you got your, you got your, you got one that's already signed, and you want to uh, go ahead yeah. and do the hyphens and the colons and the. If you've got yep, room absolutely. in your signature to do, if you've got room between the names and your signature to do that, by all means, do that. All right, perfect, perfect. Because all right, that's my first here's question. The thing. Here's the thing: when you get a, a Medicare card, and you look at the back of the Medicare card, there's a signature line, and underneath that signature line, it says "beneficiary signature." It actually says beneficiary signature. When I first got signed up with it in 2015, the lady came up here to the house and uh, for the, uh, uh, the 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 extra program that I had, the extra health care program. Uh, I had just got the benefit, uh, the uh, card, and she said, "Well, you haven't signed the back of this yet." I said, "Okay, let me sign it." And I whipped out my purple pen and and I signed it with a beneficiary signature. She said, "Why did you sign? Why do you sign like that? that's a funny signature? Why do you sign like that?" I said, "Because I am the beneficiary, right? It says it right there, right?" Yep. <clears throat> you can you can if you've got a social security card that's got a regular signature on it, and you got the room to put the colons in and the hyphen and and and, and a comma comma beneficiary. Yeah, by all means. By all okay. means, put it on there. I thought you were talking Thank about you. having them alter the name on the front. Yeah. No, no. The just all just keep that wet signature different. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. That's my question. Thank you. Thanks for calling. <clears throat> Alejandro, 479 area code. Go ahead. <laughs> What happened? Four seven nine area code. Go ahead. You just unmuted. Alejandro. Yes. It's Alejandro. Okay. It's adios. Okay. <clears throat> Two four zero area code noble. Two four zero. Your phone just unmuted. Yes, hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Hi, how are you guys doing? Um here. My name is Priscilla. Wonderful. Hi, my name is Priscilla, um, and I have a quick question. So I'm, for the first time I'm doing, I'm endorsing one of my bills, um, and I was filling out Form 56, which is the, um, the notice concerning the fiduciary relationship. And yeah. 
for part three, is the last part talking about the court and administrative proceedings. So another person who was doing this along with me, they just said for that part to put the vital statistic office of the state that you're in and then also put the your birth certificate number. But my problem is I'm not able to get that information because I wasn't born here, um, but I've lived in Maryland for 20 years, so I'm not sure, like, what to put for the court and administrative proceedings part. Everything's already sealed out except for that last part. I'm not sure how to go about it. So the the last part you want to know is is the birth certificate, the information? Yeah, the birth certificate, yeah, and then also the name of the court, because usually people put vital statistics office, but I called mine in Maryland. They said they don't have any record of my birth certificate because I wasn't born here, um, but I lived here for like 20 years, so I'm not sure what to put for that part. Um, for the court and administrative so what, proceedings. Do you have a birth certificate? Yeah, I have the copy of it. I don't have the original one, though, but I have the copy of my birth certificate from back home. Nobody nobody has the original one. Everybody's carrying no. a certified copy. Yeah. So you, so you want to know the, the date, right? Yeah, I want to know the that. date and then also... Yeah, the date and then also um, the number of birth certificate because I looked at it today. I don't, I'm not sure if, like, all birth certificates have a number, but for mine it doesn't. And then also I'm not sure what to put for name of court since I, I can't put the vitals of Texas office because they don't hold my birth certificate. Yeah, well, it, it, usually there's a – the birth certificate is a bond. It's, they're created on bond paper. They all have numbers. They all have serial numbers. They all do. Uh, if you don't have one on yours, it may, it may have been on the back of the one, and you, all you got is a copy of the front, like a photocopy or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's two dates on there, on the uh, birth certificate. There's the date of live birth, and then there's the, uh, uh, like a registration date, okay? Mm-hmm. Or a certified date, the day that it was certified. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I did this uh, process uh, with a credit card uh, a couple mm-hmm. months ago where I sent the 1099A in to, it was uh, the Destiny, uh, Destiny uh, uh, MasterCard. And mm-hmm. I set it in there, and I got the letter back, uh, you know, we've closed your account and all this other thing. And uh, and then just the other day when I was in physical therapy, I was tr- I was uh, on the bike doing some bike. I get an email going down to all these emails, and I say, "Well, here's one from Destiny Bank. Uh, I want to pay this. Uh, well, we closed your account. Okay, uh, so." I, it wasn't. It was an offer for a new card. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was uh, the one that I had before had $350 limit. This one here, they were offering me 700 So, and and I just spoke with a guy about a week before who was saying this, telling me about the birth certificate. And uh, mm-hmm. he was saying that there's the, the live birth date. And then there's the straw man birth date. And it's a registration mm-hmm. uh, registration date. 
And my live birth is May 22nd, 1965. And mm-hmm. on the birth certificate, the registration date is June the 2nd. So I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just going to try this. And I did the application for the credit card. And instead of putting May the May 22nd, I put in June the 2nd. And got approved. Uh, and when you do these things on for credit cards uh, or any kind of financing, there's three things that they want. They want your Social Security number. Uh, there are four. They want your Social Security number. They want your name, and they want your address, and then they want the birth date, okay? And And they look at all that stuff. Now, mind you, this is a card that I just had closed, a company, a credit card from a company I just had closed about two months ago. And they already have all that information, right? And Mm -hmm. before I used the the live birth date, this time I used the, the, the certificate, the birth of the certificate, uh, and they accepted it. So, yeah. And that's what they look for. Why didn't they flag that? Why wasn't that flagged? They should have flagged that right away. Whoa, wait a minute. We already got all this information from you, dude, two years ago. And we just closed your account two months ago. Uh, Yet you're going to give me a new card with my real, with the real birthday. Because uh, apparently that's what that is. When you go into these tribunals and they say, what's your name? And you say, I'm Christopher Allen Hauser. Uh, okay, uh, uh, what's your birthday? You tell them your birthday. But you told them the birth date of, or the, the, the date of your live birth. Well, you probably were supposed to told them the day that, you, that your, your certificate was born, which is, which is two weeks. Most of the time, they're two weeks after the day you were born, because it takes you know when you, uh, when you apply for a birth certificate, it says please allow three weeks to get your certified mm-hmm. copy, right? So you don't get you mm-hmm. you never see your original. I've heard some folks say, well you I know how to do it I got mine okay but I I've never seen one. Uh, I'm sure somebody out there probably has banks on those things. Uh, so the date, if you, if you do have it on there, do you, do you have two different dates on your birth certificate? No, I only have one. So down there at the bottom, you don't have another date. Um, I could take a look at it, but I don't think so. But I'll take a look at it later. But if there is another date, date that's the date. Yeah, that's what it is. Registration date or REG. Yeah. Okay. Let's say R-E-G. Okay. Let's say R-E-G. It might even be in smaller print. Yeah. Okay. So then, since so then, so the part where it says name of courts, what should just like leave it blank since um, the vital certificate doesn't have it in my state? Like, it's back in my country. Should I write where the register is in my country for that part? Yeah. I look at any time you have a question about whether or not you should put something in somewhere, always leave mm-hmm. a blank. 
because uh, what's going to happen is if, if there's if they if if they think that it's an issue, they're going to call you back or they're going to write you back. And say, oh well, we need this we need this information in here. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what it is, uh, and you think you might can find out what it is, wait for them to call you back or write you back and tell you, hey, uh, we need this information. Uh, that's the way okay. I like to do stuff. If if I don't, if I can't figure it out, uh, then I leave it alone, and I wait for you to respond. Because once you respond, you're going to tell me how to do it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's again, it might take a little longer to get at it, but you you'll always figure out the right way to do stuff. Then you can share it with other folks. Yeah. Okay, so just last okay. question, just kind of following up on that. I'm sorry, just last question follows on that. So when I endorse, yeah, sure. So when I endorse my bill for the 56, um, I was doing the instructions for where and how to file it. So I usually file to the IRS, but is it also okay to give the 56 form to the CFO, the company, like yeah. both places, the IRS and the CFO? But yeah, yeah, you can give it. You could make copy and send it to both. Uh, but but look. I don't do the 56. I don't do it. Uh, I don't think, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you can't send the 1099. You can't do the OID without a 56. Uh, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to realize that what, what is, what's the purpose of the 56? It's to notice someone that they're a trustee. They should already know yeah. that. You know what? They should have that information super readily available. Uh, okay. you should know. Uh, anybody that takes your Social Security number ought to know that they just became a trustee in the trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But if you want to, if you guys want to use the 56, by all means, send it out, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't. I think it's a waste of time. You know, if you don't know okay. your, if you don't know you're my trustee, believe me, as soon as I tell, as soon as I say I'm the beneficiary and you're a trustee, you're going to know. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to know. It's, it's like uh, uh, you're, you're my trustee. No, I'm not. Okay, here's a 56. Do you believe me now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, yeah. You know what do I have to do? What paperwork do I have to do to prove I'm the beneficiary? Uh, just say you're the beneficiary. Oh, you don't believe I'm yeah. the beneficiary? Let me give you a piece of paper to prove I am. Mm-hmm. You believe me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right, so does that answer your question? Perfect. All right, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you, Scott. Thank you. Okay, Albany, New York, you're next. Albany, 518, area code. Hi, guys. Chris, it's Christine. We corresponded a few times through email. I have a question for you this time, though, on something a little bit different. I heard somebody ask you just a few minutes ago about using the UCC-1 on a house after a foreclosure. In her case, she was saying it was just before the sheriff's sale. What if there's been a sheriff's sale already and now the home is owned by a bank um, and apparently they are leasing it to somebody who had me evicted through the court. Um, is there any benefit to doing the UCC-1 on the house since the person who had me evicted doesn't own it either? 
I was the last one to own it, and now the bank owns it. I know this is a little complicated. No, I don't think so. Uh, you can always uh, conditionally accept the bank. You can always do a conditional acceptance on the bank, even after the foreclosure, um, because because there's no statute of limitation on fraud. Uh, but as far as putting a doing a UCC one on a piece of property, that that would that that's a little fish. That's a little iffy. Uh, okay. I don't. I don't know as I, as I would do it. I, I think the time to put the lien on is before the sale. After that, yeah, all, that's all what rights I, are forfeited. I okay. Um, and I have another quick question on the eleven ninety nine. I'm not sure what to put in. Let's see. It's in section one. C. It says claim or payroll ID number. Do you know off the top of your head what? What number might go in there? On the 1199A. Yeah. For the direct deposit? Direct deposit oh. for what? Um, It's the standard 1199A form. Yeah, but from direct the deposit for what? What are you trying to deposit? Um, I filled out... Well, I'm trying to help the receiver of my 1099A get their money faster. So this would be for the person okay, who fills up the OID. In, uh, section one, what now? Um, section one C. It says claim or payroll ID number. Claim or payroll ID number. I don't know if you'd use that. Just leave it blank. Right. Uh, yeah, I would okay. leave it blank. I mean, there's no payroll. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah, you have to think about and that. Uh, how how's it being used? And how's the different ways you can use it? Normally, in the instructions, there's different ways that you can use the document. Uh, you got a. At the top of it, you got. Some bullet points there. Yeah, it says that it would be printed on the government check. So I'm assuming when the Treasury writes a check, it would have a number on it. Yeah, they would may that maybe that in the cell. You know, it says claim the claim number and type of payment are printed on government check. See the sample check on the back of this form. This information is also stated on beneficiary. Annuity, uh, annuitant award letters or other documents from the government agency. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of that stuff you can get from the directions. Uh, I don't have a I don't have the instructions with me handy. I'm just looking at the form right now. But uh, could it maybe be the index number? It may be. It may be the index number. I'm, not, I'm sorry, not index number, invoice number. Invoice. I don't know. I don't think so. Just looking at it. I'd have to get into the instructions there a little bit. And how okay. I pulled up was the uh, form itself. 
but and, a lot of times in the instructions will will explain all those little things. You know what I yeah, mean? You'll find uh, in the instructions it'll say uh, in section in section one C. These are the numbers that you would put in, and it'll explain the the different ones that, that that'll go in there. That might be something I download here. Okay. Read those instructions. I just, I've never used it. Uh, the the direct deposit. Never used that. I'm thinking that this is uh, the the you know the payroll ID number. If you were a company and you were doing this for for the direct deposit, that's how you use it. Okay. It's a standard I if you look at it, it's a standard it's a standard form. Uh, I, you know, they use this for more than just uh, direct deposit for for the IRS. It seems like it would be the invoice number then because they would have to take it from somewhere only for this one instance. It looks like it would be the reason for using this form. My other quick question on this form in box F, it says type of payment. I'm thinking it would be other, and I was going to put treasury obligation, but I wasn't sure if you had any thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. we talked okay. about that about, a, about two weeks ago. Uh, oh, I missed that one. I apologize then. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking about here on, on this show. I talked about it with someone else. What was that they put in there? They checked other because see if you look if you look at the types of payments right mm-hmm. uh, nothing else fits. It's not a military thing or military survivor, or, uh, civil service retirement, railroad. It's got nothing to do with that. They checked other. We were talking about and they checked other and uh, I don't think it was us Tad, that was talking about it. Was it? I don't think so. Yeah, I was talking with someone else about it. I can't remember what exactly he he put in his. Would this be for, uh, what is this again for? 1099? It tells you. Uh, no, 1199. No, but for a 1099 payment? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, if it's like for your <clears throat> conditional acceptance, I would say litigation settlement or something like that. But for, for that, yeah, that would... Um, otherwise, it's payment of an invoice for services rendered. Yeah. Yeah, you can put that in there. Oh, in other? Okay. That'd be up to you. Explain, okay. explain what it is, what kind of payment it is. Uh, you know, if it was coming from uh, uh, a payment, you're 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 using a 1099A, and you're setting it, you're getting it from someone else, and to. Uh, you know, to use, you could say, uh, uh, for other, you could say trust fund. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wouldn't trust be Social fund? Security. Okay. Even if this is not yeah, I can for... Speak a little better. I'm sorry, go Army. ahead. No, I apologize. It sounds like there's a little bit of a lag. I, I didn't mean to talk over you. There might be. I, okay. I'm sitting in. I got to sit in a certain spot in my building here to 
to get a, get the best signal, I think. So I think uh, for the sake of expediency, because we've got a lot of people waiting, I would say that we don't know. Okay, sounds good. I'll keep working on it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, better on that. Okay. Minneapolis, you're next. Hi, Chris. Um, my name is Peggy Stitzinger. I um, appreciate your time here. I wanted to quickly mention when it comes to foreclosure, um, the option of land patent um, to, uh, for a person to be able to get their property back if by chance it's been too late. I just wanted to offer that as a suggestion. Um, my question, though, is uh, I'm going to have to listen to maybe find a Zoom call that you mentioned at the beginning here about speaking with a brokerage. Um, I'm a realtor and uh, trying to uh, get my clients uh, a home, and I've even thought as a realtor I could be the trustee and then, of course, all of the expenses would be wrapped up into that uh, 1099A. Um, I'm wondering, have you had any uh, realtors uh, that you know of be the trustee for their buyer? Yeah, are in the same process that you're going through right now. In a Monday night Zoom call, I spoke with a realtor out of Dallas, and she was, we talked about it. She's like, I want to do this for my client. And uh, she even had a home herself uh, that she was looking at using the 1099A to pay it off that she had. Uh, As far as going... Uh, all the way and getting the check. I'm still waiting on uh, one individual who's probably as far along as I can imagine. Uh, paperwork's already gone. Uh, they're waiting on the check. Uh, as soon as that comes in, I'll be able to share that with stuff. And once the realtors figure this out, man, you're crazy busy. Oh, yeah. Definitely. My my uh, client is in Texas, Dallas area, and so I'm uh, trying very hard to, I was, I went to, the, I called the phone number on the back of the 1099A to find out if I said, if I consider being a trustee um, for this uh, 1099A transaction, uh, will I be able to find out if X, Dollar amount will be available for finance or for the uh, property. IRS said we cannot yeah. offer any information over the phone. You'll have to go through a tax professional or tax accountant, and all of that. So, yeah, that was my experience. So, um, it's good to hear that you have another um, broker or. Uh, realtor trying to go through this as well, and I'll let you know what comes up on my end too. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're working on it. We really are. Uh, and you wouldn't believe the uh, real estate agents I talk to. Yes, you would be their, uh, their trustee. If you have a client that gives you their social security number, you are their trustee. Uh, yeah. And you have access. You should have access to that. Uh, you should be able to go in person with your documentation to the Social Security office, even with your client. Take your client there and go, look, we want to find out if there's at least enough money in the trust to, uh, to do this. And they should be able to because you're in a fiduciary obligation. Hey, lady, I am in a fiduciary obligation Sharing. I need to know this. Uh, you need to tell me. You are a fiduciary too. Uh, it's, you guys should be able to do this. Uh, yeah, and, and like I agree. I say, like I say, a lot of the problem is is people are unsure uh, because of the process. Uh, it's it's scary. You were raised to think that the IRS is an evil, evil thing, and, uh, you know, they will get you on anything, and you're raised paranoid to even have them guys snooping around your house. Uh, but that's really not the case. They're not as they're not as bad as they think they are, or they're not as bad as we think that they should be. Uh, yeah, I would say try it, man. Try it. Yeah. Worst case scenario yeah. is they're going to send you the letter, Hey, don't do this again. Uh, and then you'll yeah. know, you know. That's true. Yeah. Um, I've, I'm under a brokerage office um, here in Minneapolis, so I'd have to have them put it in escrow under their account and then when the house is, yeah, for a purchase agreement and that too. So yeah. thank you so much. This goes, I believe... Well, this goes, yeah. I'm gonna try and get. I'm gonna try and get a uh, maybe a Telegram channel up just for realtors. Yeah, I so started a Telegram. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what that's what I think we're gonna do. We're gonna try to get a Telegram group in, uh, you know, just for realtors, where you guys can get in there and and, and help each other along with the process. Yeah, well, I've uh, I did. You're welcome. I did create a real estate group that I, you know, if I see, if I notice that someone says that they're a realtor, I, you know, do mention to them. So there's a few people, maybe yeah. four or five, including myself. So um, happy to um, move forward with a Chris Hauser uh, real estate group. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be all right. Thank that'd you. Be all right. Have a blessed night. Good night. Okay, Chris, we're going to do one more. Okay. I'm getting tired. I'm sure everybody else is, too. And I'm doing my best to, best to get it to everybody, but no matter how many people we pick, there's always 30 more. <laughs> yeah, we had a Zoom meeting there Friday and it, or, or Monday night. I was in it for, I don't know, three or four hours maybe, and, and it lasted up until the morning time. Oh, see, we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. Okay, Las Vegas, go ahead. 
Yes, uh, thank you. Um, I was hoping to do it. Oh, gosh darn it. What happened, man? He was hoping to do it, and then he got disconnected. Oh, yeah. that's not good. Okay, how about Beaufort, South Carolina? Good good evening. Uh, this is Carolyn. I want to really have a comment on the young lady about the foreclosure. I think her best bet would go ahead and file a bankruptcy. I've done this. And that and that would stop the sale. Yeah. I know a few people yes. that have done that. I know a few people that have yes. done that. But that's that's just a temporary uh that's just yeah, a temporary it's temporary thing. but it is because I mean it is a temporary fix, but I mean she doesn't yeah. have any other option right now. So yeah. in order to be time. able to We'll buy her some time. Yeah, it, 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 will, it will buy her maybe about six months. Yeah. Some time. And then so, and just pay it off. Here you go. Oh, but Judge, I made I made the payment. Where'd the money go, Your Honor? Yeah. And and then, and then and then in the process, maybe do the 1099A process. Yeah, and the condition was accepted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I I I did a a, a foreclosure. Uh, I mean, a bankruptcy two days before my sale. Two days before my sale, and um, and it stopped it. Yeah, that'd be good. Because I didn't I didn't I didn't want to give them heads up. I didn't want to give them heads up. So that's why I waited yeah. so close. Uh, two days. Yeah, okay. she's still listening. She, she may want to do that. Thing about that though is, them bankruptcy attorneys want about fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. No, she doesn't have to uh, 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 go with an attorney. I mean, I, I sort of found a, 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 a what you call it, a legal person, legal aid person uh, um, that knows yeah. how to file. You don't have to get an attorney to file bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You probably do it yourself. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's waste of money. That's waste of money. Hundred bucks. Yeah, you probably go to legals then. Give him give him a hundred bucks and then print you out of uh, yeah. bankruptcy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay, that was that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's all, right, all I wanted to say. Thank you. Yes. All right, thank, well, thank you. Oh, bless you. Okay. So Chris, stay on the line. Okay, so you guys, um, again, to be notified of this uh, of these meetings, go to youhavetheright.com and join our mailing list. That's very important. Join up our mailing list so that you can stay in touch, and uh, we'll keep you informed of everything that happens. Um, and again, those people that, if you even think you're getting divorced, asset protection is very important. You can contact me at youhavetheright.com, and I can... Uh, give you some information on that. But thank you, everybody, for joining our call tonight. We really appreciate it. We try to do what we can, and there's a lot of people interested. So I'm sorry I can't get to everybody. We'll try again next week. Everybody, good night. Peace and blessings, y'all.